Hey guys, welcome to Tom Talks. On this episode, we're going to be talking about one good deed that left a veteran homeless, how you can bet on political outcomes, the U.S.'s fight with China on the semiconductor front, Russia's Pandora's box, and what do cockroaches and moon rocks have in common? Hey guys, welcome to the show. My name is Tom Jung. I'm your host. And I'm Jack Lizenby, co-host. And this is where we talk about a little bit of everything. So uh, before we get started, we'll go ahead and plug our social media. We're at TomsTexasRealty.com. You can find us at Facebook and Instagram at TomsTexasRealty and on TikTok at Tom.Things. So, um, of course, we're real estate agents here in the area. If you guys are looking to buy or sell, we'd love to help you, chat with you, whatever it is, whether you're thinking about strategy for something, should you buy, should you sell, stuff's crazy. But, uh, yeah, so... Do anything cool this weekend? Uh, no, I just kind of sat at the house and vegged out, actually. Okay, cool. Sometimes, hey, sometimes yeah. you need to recharge. <laughs> so, um, I want to give a quick shout out to the guy at Tom Thumb yesterday when I was picking up those waters. I forgot to tell you this, but the, he had one of those, um, like a, a, a whole thing of sodas that he was putting up at uh-huh. the on on the shelves, and he was wheeling it down, and he saw me. He's like, oh. You're good. And he pulled it to the side while well, he hit the shelf a little bit, and two boxes of Pepsi fell off and just exploded all over the place. <laughs> like, it was one of those things you would see on a fell video, you know? Yeah, something out so of a bad. sitcom. I was like, ah. That's so, Russ. Yeah. <laughs> Screwing over the dude. He's just trying to do his job. Yeah. So, I don't, I don't know what his name was, but shout out. So, anyways, what do we got today? Uh, so, the first thing we're going to talk about is remodeling, actually, and a story of something that went terribly awry during a remodel okay so in south dallas i'm not going to disclose any names of like the company or the individuals but there was a family of a vietnam veteran um his wife had gone through a bunch of uh, medical issues and she was hospitalized at the time and as a uh their the house was getting really old so it was um it was in a lower income part of the neighborhood it was over 100 years old and it was way overdue for some updating okay. so the son of this guy had actually heard about a company that had been going around the neighborhood remodeling a bunch of the houses and reached out to him the um <laughs> so he reached out to the remodeler and the remodeler was like yeah i can remodel your house i'll do it for free act of goodwill all that jazz hmm. uh the only thing i want in return is like a before and after video of the the remodel so they're like, yeah, sure, we'll do that. Uh, so they come in, they take their before video, and then they start construction in the, on the remodel. And uh, about halfway through the remodel, they dismantled everything. They basically tore it down to the studs. So okay. they took out all the walls, all the ceilings, all the appliances, cabinets, everything gone. So it's just <laughs> it's just wood on the inside and concrete. And they're just selling that shit on the <laughs> And then the company goes bankrupt. Oh, no. Yeah, so basically... Because um, they were doing everything for free. Well, I mean, that mixed <laughs> with the fact that they were not... Um, so whenever they ended up getting it down to the studs... They'd found a, a number of things wrong with it because, like I said, it's like a hundred-year-old house. The yeah. foundation was was jacked up. There was um, probably no um, insulation in the walls. Yeah, there was. It was like those solid wood walls from back in the twenties. Mm-hmm. The uh, mm-hmm. the there was a leak in all of the plumbing. the The roof was collapsed in one area, and like water was coming in. Then there was like extensive mold throughout the entire house. So it was just not in a good shape. So obviously, this dude he was living off of like social security and his his VA check. So mm-hmm. he was like very fixed income, lower income guy. He couldn't come. Up, he couldn't afford to come out of pocket to take care of any of this himself. Oh, dang. So the son reached out to the company or the the owner of the company, and he was like, "Hey, can you at least put it back the way it was?" And the guy's like, "Hey, after seeing all of these things, I can't in good conscience put it back the way it was, and then that be my fault whenever something goes wrong and somebody gets hurt." 
So these guys ended up in a situation where um, their their house was livable and is now no longer livable. The guy's living in a car, but it's just sort of a, a weird situation of where, you know, an act of goodwill ended up kind of screwing everything over. Yeah. Yeah. So this is this guy has been out of a house since like January, apparently. Hmm. So is there has there been any update? Like, have they figured anything out? Or? No, the story uh, the story leaked recently. I think in the last couple of weeks, but so far they haven't pushed anything out saying anyone's reached out to help them or anything. Mm-hmm. The the guys still uh, live in mobile out of his four wheels instead of his house. Dang. Yeah, the the, the wife's in and out of the hospital, so she's got a, a bed to stay in. But it's probably not the best way to go about living. Yeah, and maybe we can get a bunch of people to chip in and do a little here and there and. Yeah, I was going to say community outreach for anyone in South yeah. Dallas that wants to help them. They're in the uh, Fairfield area or Fairview area in South Dallas. Okay. Fair Park, maybe. Fair something. Okay. But <laughs> if you're aware of them and you're in the local area, you know. Yeah, they could do some help. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, I have uh, – it's actually really sad, and I have no transition for this. Heart <laughs> goes out to them. Uh, but, but, yeah, let's talk about – Excessive income and betting it on stupid things. <laughs> uh, so the, there was um, a company that came out. It's called Kalshi, K-A-L-S-H-I, okay. that allows you to bet on the outcome of events. And so, and it's traded as like a commodity. I didn't really understand the, that part of it, but basically I logged in and created an account to see what was on there. And you can bet on anything. And I think, I'm not sure... I was told that you can propose just about anything to bet on, mm-hmm. and if the community is like, yeah, we'll bet on that, then it becomes a thing and everybody bets on it. Right, so like whether it's going to rain today or something, like yeah. anything, anything? Yeah, yeah, so uh, whether it's going to rain, whether uh, you can bet on the high. Like when I first downloaded it, it was like you, you were betting on the high being 90 degrees and you could take the over under in New York. Mm. So, or in New York City, whatever it was. But uh, you can bet on Biden's approval rating at the end of the month mm-hmm. and well, whether it'll be in a certain range or not. Uh, you can bet on the federal interest rate. And I thought this was really interesting. You could bet on the price of gas. So if you think about it, you could okay. hedge your bet. <laughs> if you think it's going to go up, you can take the under. And if it goes up, then you make money off the under, right? Which will offset the <laughs> hopefully make up gas prices. Price gas, yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, it's fairly new, and I there's not a, a ton of people, uh, you know, on it. So, like your your trading volume is the most uh, the highest trading volume for anything on there. I saw it was a quarter of a million. Oh dang! Which I, I guess is substantial, but I mean, for like a small group of people, yeah. But I, I mean, if this thing becomes more popular, it could be very effective for businesses as well. If they're in a certain sector to offset their risk, if you know, I was like, it seems like a really easy access tool for gambling addicts. Yeah, that too. That so, yeah, there are a lot of articles on betting websites as well. So, <laughs> I mean, that's that's pretty cool because I, I, we've always got bets with friends and stuff like that. Like, you know, oh, I bet you won't go do this. So it's like, all right, five bucks if I can make it or whatever. You know, yeah. this is sort of like that on a really big scale. Yeah. Like, will Tiger Woods hit a hole-in-one this tournament? Right, yeah. yeah. People bet on that. Something to keep people engaged in. Yeah. So, anyways, very interesting. Not sure how it's legal, but apparently you got approved by everything, so. Okay. That's pretty cool. I guess one of the bets you could make on it is whether uh, Taiwan is going to uh, move their manufacturing of semiconductors to the U.S. or China. 
Okay. Because uh, that seems to be the situation we're in right now. Uh, Taiwanese company uh, Global Wafers, which is one of the top five uh, semiconductor producers in the world. What's up? You look like you got a question. Well, if if you ask China, mm-hmm. wouldn't wouldn't China tell you that they're just moving it from part of China to China? Yes, because <laughs> Taiwan is uh, a, is a jurist is in, it's a it's part of Beijing or owned by Beijing. It's tied to Beijing in some way, and China lays claim to Beijing, even though Beijing may not agree with that. Gotcha. But, uh, okay. Um, so they're the the Taiwanese or Chinese, depending on what part of the world you're in company global wafers is one of the top five in the world producers for semiconductors which are used in everything that has any sort of computational element to it um they're uh, actually looking to build a five billion dollar or 52 billion dollar or no i'm sorry five billion dollar factory in texas for semiconductor production but uh that all hinges on the u.s government footing the bill for a portion of that because recently they came out with a the chips act i forget what it stands for but essentially it's a a stimulus bill that has over 50 billion dollars worth of money pooled in it to help build uh domestic companies for production of semiconductors things like intel nvidia um, things like that but taiwan wants a cut of this in exchange for bringing all of that business to the U.S. as opposed to China. So what happened was the CHIPS bill was uh, passed back in January of 2021, mm-hmm. and then the uh, the Congress went into recess in August, and they still haven't made a decision on the funding. So the bill's been put together and everything. They just haven't actually funded it. Funded it, correct. And uh, right now, uh, this would be a really good hedge against our bets with China for the semiconductor market because it's such an important field for basically everything. As we learn yeah. after 2020. Yeah. And uh, China has a very large portion of that market. And if they took over this, this would be just a step forward for them being uh, basically having a stranglehold on the market. Right. Um, Do we know what part of Texas they're looking at? Uh, it's going to be somewhere in North Texas, but they haven't. Okay. They haven't. Yeah. Okay. They, yeah. All right. All <laughs> they right. haven't. They haven't pinned down an area just yet. Okay. Um, but it is going to be somewhere, from what we understand, in North Texas. Um, TSMC, another one. Uh, it's Taiwanese Semiconductor Manufacturing Company, I believe, is what it stands for. And Intel are also holding off on building their uh, factories in, I believe, Arizona and Texas, because I think they're both trying to build as well. Everybody's um, waiting to see if they can get some of that money, right? Okay. And so the the government's kind of uh kind kind of you know, um, what is it pulling them along by not having this funding going in. The uh, global wafers is actually thinking about pulling out and going to China because it's taking mm, so long. I could see that. Yeah, so we're we're still waiting to see the results of that one. Dang. Well, uh, speaking of China, mm-hmm. they're involved in a lot of the uh, Russian manipulation of the currency that's going on. Mm-hmm. And um, it's very fascinating, and I could not find anywhere if this has happened before. But you know, obviously, with Russia's war, as soon as they you know invaded Ukraine, their currency dropped, and they've done some kind of crazy stuff to bring it back up. And it's actually worth five times what the dollar's worth currently. Wow! Yeah, which is huge. Because um, it wasn't doing too hot for a minute there. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> it, it, I think it was like. It, it, I don't remember how far it plummeted, but it was far. And so they've been doing some interesting things. And I think we should probably keep an eye on this because, you know, because they are a huge um, 
Actually, and I'm just going to back up. All right, so this is kind of going to be a segment on oil okay, <laughs> and why it's so important, how everything's tied to it. Um, so, so basically what they did is the, the crazy thing that they did is they said that they basically banned uh, their currency rubles from leaving the country. So if you were a citizen, you couldn't send rubles outside of the country. Mm-hmm. I think they've recently opened it back up, but they've put a limit on how much you can send. Uh, so basically, if people were sending it to family members overseas, they were trying to keep all those rubles there. And then on top of that, any time that you were uh, an oil company or any kind of energy company was exporting, then they had to convert 80% of their sales into rubles. Okay. So this was essentially creating uh, higher demand for the ruble. Right, like artificially creating a demand because you can't trade in anything else. And the only reason that they can get away with this is because they supply so much of the world's oil, Mm -hmm. right? If they didn't have a stranglehold on that, then they couldn't pull this off. And so they also um, raised interest rates for people borrowing uh, from, it was 9.5%. They increased it to 20. Oh, dang. Yeah, I know, which is very expensive for businesses. And then uh, I think since then they've started scaling it down because... The ruble gained, you know, so much. It's probably more than what they were expecting. I mean, yeah, five times the U.S. dollar is a lot. There's very few countries that can tout that. Yeah, and so the only uh, so so the issue is, if we so we put sanctions on uh, for them not to use the the dollar and you know not importing oil and all these other things. Uh, China, if anybody's read the history of Mao and there's the history of China, China and Russia are pretty tight. Mm-hmm. Like they they go way back, and so anyways, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of the trades that are happening right now are between China and Russia as far as the currency goes. But uh, this is very interesting because I don't know that it's ever been done before. And how do you can you ever get rid of the eighty twenty rule now that it's been implemented, or will your currency automatically crash? Well, I mean, I guess from the sound of it, there's there's sort of like I said, creating that demand for the currency by making it a requirement to buy their oil with rubles. And I think what they're hoping to do is once enough people are trading in the currency that it becomes more organic for people to just want to use that currency because it's so pervasive. Right. Which would, again, keep the demand up and the value of the ruble up. And it would hurt the value of the U.S. dollar as well because it's... Right. You're cutting off part of that market. Right. Now, the... uh, you know, and and it's hard to really tell because of the media manipulation that Putin's got over there. But um, you can imagine that if all of a sudden everything has to be in rubles, it's got to be very difficult for citizens to get stuff unless it's already produced by the country. Oh yeah, because then about eighty percent of your the value of whatever your uh, currency you're trading in is going to have to be transferred. Yeah, and so it's you know. There's not much out there, but from what I've read, you know, the poverty's already doubled over there. Mm-hmm. They're having, you know, they're expecting a downturn in their economy. Their GDP is going to fall um, internally because, as as we know, after 2020, they probably don't produce everything there to be self sufficient like we don't. Like semiconductors no, was yeah, a big one, right? It, yeah, and um, what is it? Wheat production and Ukraine and all that stopped. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. I. I think the only way that this works is it like the only way to really walk this back is if you take over Ukraine as mm-hmm. if you're Russia you take over Ukraine you get all of the 
you know, the benefits. I don't know what the spoils of war over there are. I don't know if Ukraine's <laughs> sitting on a bunch of gold or what, but, uh, you know, use that to offset the, I guess, the inflation and everything else is going to happen if you ever lift this mm-hmm. uh, requirements. Yeah, because that can't be a permanent decision because if you're, if you're charging 20% interest for any borrowers, like, it's probably going to be, like, larger companies and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you're really thinning out their profit margins. Uh, yeah, and so, at some point it doesn't become yeah. worth it, right? Right. So, it, it's got to be a bridge or something until they can get another situation figured out with uh, the current sanctions or remodel their economy around them. Right. And so my whole thing is like, why don't we just make more oil? Mm-hmm. Because I'm sure other countries would rather just trade in U.S. dollars because that's what everybody does currently. And so I looked into this a little bit, and the issue that we have here is, number one, so when Biden came into office, he basically put all of these rules into place that made it very difficult to actually drill. So they talk about permits in the news. That's only one out of a bunch of steps you got to go through to actually start drilling. And on top of that, I think even more importantly, labor shortage and material shortage. Uh, From what I understand, uh, fracking sand is... A big shortage right now, which makes sense because the guys that drive trucks make the most money driving those oh, back that and makes forth. Sense. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so, anyways, those are the things that's keeping us from, you know, tossing up more rigs. That, and then, you know, a lot of people forget that the oil and gas industry lost $76 billion just a few years ago. And so, with that being so recent, they're probably a little more cautious on expanding right now, especially with everything going on. So, yeah, they don't want to overproduce and then not be able to meet with or with all the the supply chain issues yeah um, those gaps there they got to make sure that they keep it tight yep so based on all of this you might want to hedge your bet with (laughs) kalshi on some gas prices (laughs) well i mean we're we're fighting russia on the uh the oil front but back in the 60s we were fighting them on the space front and uh with the apollo 11 mission they uh uh, we we landed the first man on the moon. It was like a momentous event that'll span the history of humans for you know years to come and be debated forever. Right? Yeah, whether it happened or whether it was a studio, <laughs> you know Spielberg or whoever the producer was that they pinned it on. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> um, but whenever they went up there, they came back with a little bit of something. There was no take nothing, leave nothing uh, situation. They actually brought back about fifty pounds worth of moon rocks and dust. And, um, you know, NASA, did, they did extensive testing on it because it was a new, it was a new um, substance, essentially. We had no way to verify what it was uh, chemically, so we ended up bringing a bunch of it back for testing. And one of the things they did whenever they were testing it was to check to see if it was poisonous. They fed it to several different small animals like fish, mice, insects, and things like that to see if it would kill them, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't. It turns out it was just regular rocks and dust, so <laughs> it was no big deal. But um, and one of the entomologists during the test, uh, she actually took about 40 milligrams of it home and some of the dead roaches that they were testing on as well whenever they dissected them. And then she just had them in, display at, um, in a display at her house for years. Um, at some point, she ended up selling it on a secondary market to just some private buyer, and wait, wait, a, a cockroaches that had ate space rock, right? Okay, yeah, for I guess there there's a secondary market science, for this. yeah, I guess so. Okay, for that's like surprising. scientific, scientific or historical, you know, okay. significance. All right. And then they were just they had just been gone for like decades, like they could not NASA couldn't track them down or anything, they weren't able to get a hold of the person. Uh, but it recently went up for auction in Pennsylvania, and uh, the company that um. It was, I uh, forget the, it's something auction company. 
um, RRR auction. They uh, they were the ones holding the event, and NASA actually reached out to them because they're like, wait a minute, those are our roaches and moon dust that you're trying to sell for a four hundred thousand dollars. Wow. Yeah. So it's essentially the 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 person who ended up buying it wanted to you know make up the difference or make a profit off of it and sure. put it up for auction recently and unfortunately it became so pervasive that it actually made its way back to tech the news made its way back to texas and nasa is, has reached out about it they're not pushing charges or anything they're just asking politely that the auction company stop the sale and if they could get their items back but apparently this is something that's um pretty you know pretty common you know you see it with like actors and stuff they'll take pieces of the set home or yeah their costume or something yeah but you don't think about it with something like a literal piece of the moon yeah or a roach that ate a piece, a piece of, dirt. of the moon yeah <laughs> <laughs> wow so huh yeah not a lot to that story it's just a crazy happening i mean what happens if the you know the seller replaces it with regular cockroaches I mean, I, I assume there's a way that they can test it. They probably know, like, hey, these cockroaches have, like... They have, like, a barcode on one of their arms or oh, something. I was, I was thinking, like, the composition of the uh, whatever material it was that they fed them, they could probably test for it. But yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. No idea, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> that is above my pay grade. Maybe they have little, like, uh, bracelets, tiny bracelets on their oh, arms. Oh, like hospital patients. Yeah. <laughs> could be. Wow, cool. Well, all right. I think that's all we got for today. That's pretty much it. Yeah, this might be our shortest episode in, like two months so right. <laughs> anyways thanks for tuning in as always if you guys are looking by ourselves, we'd love to work with you and we'll see you on the next one